Question. Are you here? Hmm. Well, whether or not, we're going. This is the Paul Leslie Hour. Um, I'm just going to introduce the interview Paul E. Leslie did with Janice Ian. Singer, songwriter, performer, concert performer, Janice Ian talks about her perspective as an artist. Janice is a multi-Grammy award winner who brought a lifetime of music to the masses. And this is for your listening enjoyment, so we hope you enjoy. This one originally was broadcast years ago, and we're bringing it out again on all platforms. Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, everywhere you can think. You know, you can help support this ongoing mission to get all this content out there to the masses. Just go to thepaulleslie.com slash support. And we say thank you. Side note. Songwriters are very important to this country, this nation, well, to the world. But you know what else is important? Spending time with people and having fun. Hey, the Gerard Birch Festival is having their signature concert September 10th, 2022. Wait, at 6 p.m. on September 10th in Gainesville, Georgia. It'll be great if you can make it. Just go to GerardBirchFoundation.com. Get more information, huh? We hope to see you there. Okay, now, a short interview with Janice Ian, right here on The Paul Leslie Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our great pleasure to welcome Janice Ian. She's a legend. Thank you, Paul. Oh, my pleasure. So, first of all, welcome Janice Ian. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. I wanted to kind of start this interview talking about something recent, your speech to address the Metro School Librarians. Oh, yeah. I had a great time. I was very honored to be asked to do that. They have a yearly meeting where all of the Metro School Librarians in my area of Tennessee get together, and each year they try to bring in a speaker, and this year they kind of took a chance and brought in a songwriter instead of another librarian, and it was very well received. In fact, the American Library Association put it up on their site, which just thrilled me. So, it's you know, it's good to give back to your community when you can. I mean, that's part of the whole reason for being an artist. I didn't get to hear the speech firsthand, but I got to read it. And one thing good. in there really, really caught my ear, or eye rather, and it was, uh, you said, all of all the descriptions that you have for yourself, the one that you earned is artist. So Mm -hmm. I was hoping you could tell us, to you, what does it mean to be an artist? Oh, wow, Paul, that's a seriously big and loaded question. Gosh, you know, and every artist, I'm sure, would have their own definition of that question. That's really impossible to put into a few words. For me, being an artist means in part being part of the community at large, standing between that community and chaos and helping that community when times are chaotic to find itself and to find its voice and to hold on to its voice. It means really being um, being the keeper of the history of your community and of your country and of the world. It means being a citizen of the world and not just a small portion of it. I think for me, being an artist really supersedes race and nationality, gender, all of those things. And that's why I like to tell people that of all the ways that I could define myself from 
female or gay or short or northern or second generation or whatever, the only one that really I'm interested in laying claim to is that of an artist. Wow, great answer. Do you think... Good, I'm glad, because I've never had to answer that before. So. Well, people tell me my questions are difficult sometimes. I don't know if that's a good thing no, or a bad fine. thing. Do you think people make a conscious decision to be a songwriter, or do you think it's something that someone's born with? Well, I think talent is something you're born with. I don't know about a decision to be a songwriter versus some other kind of writer. Maybe so, maybe not, but certainly the talent part is something that you... You don't make a conscious decision to acquire. That, I think, is why artists tend to be a bit humble, because we, we know that our talent isn't something that we earned or did anything to have. It just is. This is a question that came from a listener. He identified himself as Ben Williams, and he said he's a lifelong Janice Ian fan, 22 years right. old, Jewish bass player and songwriter. And his question is, <laughs> <Good for him. laughs> he says, when you wrote Society's Child, did you ever think it would be so controversial? No, I had absolutely no idea. In fact, I remember my father sitting next to me and listening to the album when I first played it for him, because, of course, that was pre-video or anything, so I had to wait till I had an acetate. And I remember him looking at me and saying, you're going to get in a lot of trouble for this. And me saying, I don't, I don't understand why you're worried. I can't imagine what's wrong with it. So I had no idea at all. He had a part two to that, and that was, I thought this was a really good question. He said, if you had a new song that was the equivalent for today, would you still release it knowing what a song can do? Of course, even more so. Society's Child was a, a great lesson for me in that it really taught me the power of a song really taught me about what a song could accomplish and how how important the song could become. I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't shy away from that today either. I read in your book Society's Child where you were discussing the song at seventeen and a lot of the listeners may not know that you were reluctant to release that song. So I was wondering what made you Well, after I overcame my initial shock at being so brutally honest about things, I think that I I looked at it, and I looked at what it, the effect it was having on audiences, and I thought, well, this is an important thing to talk about, and, I, and that was why it ended up being released. It was a good thing to record, and it was a good thing to put out, as, as we now see. This is a very difficult question for a lot of artists to answer. Do you have a favorite song that you wrote? No, not difficult at all. No, I don't. <laughs> When someone goes to hear you perform, what are you hoping that the listener gets out of the experience? <laughs> a desire to come back next time I perform. <laughs> That's a good answer. I, I, would hope, I would hope that people people feel like they've walked away with, gosh, I would hope that they walk away with what they wanted to hear, that they walk away with a sense that there was a little light brought into their lives, especially right now when so many people are out of work and times are hard. I would hope that people walk away feeling better about themselves, better about the world, and facing some things head-on, like at 17 and Society's Child do. On your website, for all the listeners, it's JaniceIan.com. Named after me. That's right, <laughs> JaniceIan.com. You give a lot of stuff away. Mm -hmm. When I first went online, I went online pretty early. It was about 1991, 1990 even. And I thought that the uh, the Internet would be a fantastic place to create community in a way that you couldn't create community with telephones or even with video. So I started giving away stuff 
pretty early as part of that. And then, of course, when I when I wrote the Internet debacle and I took a stance on downloading being a good thing 10 years ago or so, I had to put my money where my mouth was and start giving away music. And it's, it's worked out pretty well for me. What artists continue to influence you? Oh, well, Billie Holiday for all my life, Billie Holiday. There's a fantastic singer who died last year called Lhasa Desela, L-H-A-S-A-D-E-S-E-L-A. She's amazing, amazing writer, amazing singer, probably the best I've heard in decades. I like a young singer named Sarah Jarosh a lot, J-A-R-O-S-C. She's really good. I go back to Dylan and Leonard Cohen when I want to talk about songwriting or be a better songwriter. They're always amazing. Who do you think has done the best cover of a Janice Ian song? Oh, I wouldn't even speculate on that. I think as cliched as it sounds, when somebody like a Bette Midler, for instance, actually chooses your song and you know that they've probably listened to a thousand songs, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's quite a uh, quite a testimonial. I wanted to ask you about this Chet Atkins tribute. Oh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Tell us about it. Well, it's being put together by a fellow named John McClellan, who was one of Chet's close friends, and Chet's daughter, Merle. And Merle said that she didn't want to do just a, an ordinary, okay, here's 20 famous guitarists, and let's throw some Chet Atkins music into them and then have them record it. So this album is really only people that Chet loved, who knew Chet, and who whose playing he loved. And consequently, people like me are not doing Chet songs. I have two pieces on the album. I have one which is Mania de Carnaval in Portuguese, which is the theme to Black Orpheus. And John McClellan is playing the guitar. I'm singing and my friend Randy is playing a couple of Brazilian instruments. And then I have Marching on Glasgow, which is a guitar piece that I wrote that Chet wanted me to record. So it's an exciting album, and there's some great people on it. Marty Stewart's on it, Mark Knopfler is on it, and I, <laughs> I feel like I'm sort of the, you know, the third cousin there. I'm amazed that I'm on it. I was also hoping you could tell the listeners about the Pearl Foundation. Sure, sure. My mom was stricken with multiple sclerosis and diagnosed when I was in my mid-twenties. And my brother and I were trying to find a way to keep her spirits up and, well, really to convince her that it was worth living. And we sent her to Goddard College in Vermont. She had always wanted to go to college and had never been able to. She had put my my father through and my brother through, but she had never gone. And she took 14 years, but she got her degree. After she died, I wanted to honor her memory in some way. And my partner suggested that we endow a college scholarship. We held the first ever internet auction, pre-eBay, and we raised close to $75,000, and all of that money went to Goddard College to establish a scholarship in my mom Pearl's name. And then people kept trying to give me money, and finally we traded some song performances with a group who went ahead and incorporated us and made us a legitimate 501c3 charitable organization. And we are approaching our half-million-dollar mark today. If you go to my website and at janiseian.com, you'll see the Pearl Foundation right there, and you can take a look at that and get all kinds of information. What is the best thing about being Janice Ian? Having a job that doesn't hurt anybody. Amazing. That's, <laughs> that's it. I mean, that's about it. You know, it's a pretty good job. It's it's hard, and it's fatiguing, and it's it's 
draining and it's scary, but in general, I love having a job where I don't hurt anybody and I just, I just get to do nice things. That's pretty cool. I have two final questions. This, okay. this first one is kind of lighthearted. What is your all-time favorite meal? Oh, lobster. Without a doubt. No Followed doubt. very closely by a really good ribeye steak. But lobster, baked potatoes, steamers. Yeah. You get my heart. My partner and I once stayed up in Provincetown, and we did that for 10 days in a row. Great. My last question. For anybody who's listening, not just in here in Georgia, but anywhere that they may be listening, do you have any parting words of wisdom? <laughs> yeah, trust no one. <laughs> Listen to X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for this interview. It's been a oh, great you're pleasure. You're so welcome, Paul. Thank you for calling. I appreciate it. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour. <laughs>